Welcome to the Hill. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Great to have you. I want to ask you, if you will, to open up your Bibles. We're going to be looking at 2 Kings chapter 23. 2 Kings in God's Old Testament chapter 23. And we're going to be reading a few verses. It's going to be a little bit before we get to that, but just keep your Bibles open, if you will, as we get ready to look there. For those of you who are new with us today, I want to say welcome. Um, we're excited that you're here. It's always great to have guests with us and uh, to have you participate with us. And if you're looking for a church home, we hope this will be the end of your journey. And you will find that out by your conversation with the Lord and by his leadership. And I hope this morning, this series that we're in will help you uh, in determining that and getting some direction from the Lord in your life. So if you haven't already, look inside your Sunday bulletin. You'll find what we call a life point outline. And I want to ask you just to pull that out so that you can go along with us in the Word and, and get ready for that. Because this is going to be a huge, huge message, I think, for our lives. I'm so grateful for God's leadership in this. And we're talking today. I want to just hit one more time on this thing about fasting. And if you'll notice, the title of the message is that the what is the why. In other words, there's a what in fasting. And I want to talk about that because it's the what that leads us to why we are doing a fast. And when you understand that, then it just makes all the difference uh, in, in the world. Today, uh, is, the message is our number two in this series and, um, and it's all about keeping my walk with the Lord, keeping your walk with the Lord fresh. Now, we've made week one of the fast. Um, and so this is, this is kind of a day for celebration. I was thinking, though, it may be that somebody here has already fallen off of the fast wagon. <laughs> and uh, you know, somebody's trying to say, did you tell him? You know. Uh, but no, nobody has, you know, has uh, told anybody anything as far as, as far as I'm concerned. But I want to I talk about that. I want to I look at that. Um, because when you do that, when you fall off the fast wagon, what is needed is to simply go back and to rehearse in your mind and to get it really down solid why I'm doing this. And if I want to understand the why, I've got to zero in on the what, because the what is hugely important. So if you look at your life point outline, I want to hit at the why of fasting. And that is, there's three things I just want you to, I want you to write down. I want you to keep these in your mind because these are hugely important. These are things that I think about in regards to fasting that helps me uh, over the hump. And it is number one. We fast for the sake of our heart attitude toward God. That's why we're, we're doing it. That's the primary thing. If you want to know about what the, hot it, the what is, the what is my heart and your heart. And it is your heart is the heart of the matter. And that's the reason why you fast. And number two, we fast to fight spiritual drift. Um, Isaiah chapter 53, um, the prophet said, all we like sheep have what? 
gone astray. In other words, it is my tendency, it is your tendency to wander. That's our tendency. And so if you find yourself that you have wandered, your walk with God is not what it used to be. It's not like you ought to be surprised at that. Because the thing is, if we don't stay on target with that, if we don't keep that up in front of us, our habit is going to be to wander. And so every January, it's, it's like we're getting back on spiritual track, okay? And so number three, we fast to recalibrate the areas of our lives, and all of us do this, where we have overindulged, where we've gotten sloppy in, in our walk with God, where we have maybe cheapened our lives, we've fallen to temptation, or we've yielded to a pattern of living that dishonors God. And it's just something that we've, we just, we, it, it happened. And you see, the point is, drift is normal. It is normal for us to drift. And so we need these kind of times. And I know this is needed in our day and in our lives. And let me tell you why that I know it's needed in our church. I know that it is needed because our Heavenly Father put into the Old Testament first and second kings forever. God wrote it. He gave it to us. And that teaches me that what is needed in our day is to be mindful of where we are and what condition our heart is in. Those two books, First and Second Kings, are the story of God desperately wanting to help his people get back on track with him, get back on spiritual track. That's what they're focused on. And so I just want to kind of bring that up to you this morning. So look at the insight in your outline. Getting back on track spiritually is not about an emotional high. And this is so important for us. I want you to understand this. I don't know where you are in, in um, your growth with the Lord, but you, I want you to understand this and just kind of write it down somewhere. A walk with God is not emotional in nature. I'm not saying it doesn't have its emotional aspect, but my walk with God, your walk with God, if you're having one, is not primarily an emotional thing. And I want to explain that to you. Our human lives, even a Christian life, our Christian life is a series of ups and downs. That's just reality. We're going to have highs and lows. They're going to be mountaintop experiences and they're going to be some dark valley lows. Sometimes they happen because of what we do. Sometimes they happen regardless of what we do. We're going to have highs and we're going to have lows. We're going to have good times. You're going to have bad. We're going to have up. We're going to have down. And you will fail in your walk with God, ladies and gentlemen. You will fail in your walk with God if you make it all about an emotional journey searching for one spiritual high after another. A marriage cannot be maintained that way. Would you agree with that? If you're looking for a whoop-de-doo on that infinitum day in and day out in your marriage relationship, you won't be married long. And if you're looking for that in uh, a walk with God, you won't be walking with him alone. You will wander. And so look at the truth in your outline. Fasting 
is about returning to intimacy with God. It is about reconnecting with God in the ups of your life and in the downs of your life. And so I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're up, maybe you're down. But that's what fasting is about. It is about reconnecting with God. It is about getting back into intimacy with him. You see, in every one of our marriage relationships, there are those times where if you are honest, you look at that woman that you love and you care about, you look at that guy that you love and you care about, and you realize we are not where we used to be. And so you've got a decision to make. Are you going to accept it and just say, well, you know, it happens. We're not young anymore. You know, it's been a long, we've been married for years. What can I expect? This is just the way it's going to happen. Maybe, but not necessarily. And the reality is you can have a better marriage than what you've got right now if your marriage does not have the spark, it does not have the joy, it doesn't have the gladness that it used to have. And so listen up because I'm going to be talking about that as well. We're going to cover a lot of things this morning. Someone maybe here this morning or listening um, in today with us, you have gotten away from a life of obedience to God and a life of faithfulness to him. And here's the reason why you've done it. You have done it because you have followed your feelings instead of seeking to act your way to where you know you ought to be. So here's the insight in your outline. Spiritual maturity is living by what you know, not what you feel. It's living by what you know, not what you feel. Now, let me, let me just make this a little bit clearer. Let's talk about marriage for a moment. Marriage is great. Would you agree with that? Great. For your sake, it would be good that the, your partner heard you say that. Marriage launches with romance. Romance gets it started, and that's good. But here's the problem with romance. It always ends. Always. It does. Romance is 30-minute kisses in the rain. And you just don't care. It's candlelight dinners. And you don't care what it costs. Reality is morning breath. <laughs> Romance. Decorating the nursery. Having those baby showers, right? Reality is leaky diapers. It's colic at 2 a.m. in the morning. And he or she doesn't care that you've got to get up early and go to work. They're thinking about them. Theologian J.E. White said this. He said, when romance runs into reality, a lot of people think that the way to solve it is to try and work up romantic feelings. Just to get that feeling back again. Or even worse, to go looking for romance somewhere else. Sadly, that's true. The truth is that a lasting and a meaningful marriage, now listen, comes by purposeful action, not by feeling. And I want you to catch that. A lasting, meaningful marriage 
one that you are glad that you're in, one that feeds your soul. It comes by the habit of purposeful, meaningful, intentional actions on your part, not feeling. It is not about working up a feeling. It is about acting. All right. I tell you, let me, let me tell you a story. There's a guy, true story, wanted out of his marriage. And he no longer saw his wife as attractive and interesting. He saw her as a lousy housewife. She didn't keep the house up the way he thought she should. Uh, she had let herself go physically. And he was no longer interested in her. So he's deciding on a divorce. And strangely enough, he sought out a psychologist to find out how he could exit the marriage with as much hurt for her as possible. He was a real jewel. And he's just going to, you know, let her have it. And so with wisdom, the counselor told him to go home. And he said, you go home and I want you to treat your wife like a goddess. I want you to do everything you can to please her. And then after two months of this, pack your bags and just walk out. And it will leave her absolutely devastated. Well, the guy thought this was a great plan. And he followed it to the hilt and he planned it all out. He gave her breakfast in bed. He gave her romantic weekends out of town doing things. He brought flowers to her. He even read books at night with her together. Now, the psychologist had set up that after two um, months, uh, he was supposed to come back in just to let him know how things had gone and about, you know, about him leaving. And so the guy walks in after two months and uh, the psychologist asked me, he said, well, he said, did you do it? Did you follow through? Did you uh, walk out with your bags packed and just leave her devastated? These are his words, quote, he said, I have never been happier in my life. I'd never leave that woman. I'm discovering things about her I never realized. It's a miracle. <laughs> Look at the truth in your outline. We act our way to intimacy physically and spiritually. And so what God is simply saying is what works in the home is also uh, with regards to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. In other words, we don't feel our way into an action. We act our way into a feeling. That's just the, that's the truth of Scripture. So number one in your life point outline, fasting is about the issue of our heart. Remember, the heart is the what of the why. My heart is the what of why I'm doing a fast. It is about my heart. And specifically, I am fasting for my heart attitude toward my heavenly father. I am fasting because just like I want a good marriage and I want to look forward to coming home in the evening and I act my way into that instead of feeling my way into it, I want my relationship with God to be everything it can be. I know he is the blesser of my life. He is everything that I need. And I want that to be good. And in order to have that, I've got to act my way into that. That is why I am fasting. That is why we do what we do. Fasting is an action that is not pleasant. Let's just get that. It isn't pleasant. But listen, it touches the heart 
of God. And biblically, it actually stirs a fire down inside of you and me spiritually. It will do it. And if you want to know why we fast each year, it is because of that. It is because above everything else, we want to make sure as we look at these next 12 months that we've just gotten started with, we want to make sure that what our heart is fixated on as a people and as a church is fixated on God. That's the major issue. Is our heart as a church fixated on him? We need to just kind of shore up our relationship with him. And that's all about fasting. Um, and so I want you to listen to some quotes. This is from First and Second Kings. First Kings chapter 8, verse 48. Turn back with all your heart. First Kings 8, verse 58. May God turn our hearts to him. First Kings 8, verse 61. Your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord our God. Listen, here's what we find in Scripture is that whenever someone got away from God, when they got off track spiritually, the issue... The reason that they wandered, the reason they got into the sin that they got into, the bottom line issue was their heart relationship toward God. How they felt in their heart toward the Lord. So look at the truth in your outline. The matter of your heart is the heart of the matter with God. I want us to walk away, I want us to understand it. And so when King Solomon got off track, it was because his heart was beginning to wander away from the Lord. And it got worse and worse. He began to marry women who didn't know the Lord. And those women, the Bible says, turned his heart more and more away from God to where he began to worship demon gods and idols. Here's how the, here's how the Bible says it. 1 Kings 11 verse 4. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Listen to me. If you are not careful for every one of us under the sound of my voice, myself included, if we are not careful, every one of us will wander away from God in our heart. You may be here this morning. You may be in worship. You may be here every time the doors open. That doesn't necessarily mean anything about our relationship with the Father. You can be here physically, but not be here spiritually and emotionally. Does that make sense? It happens every day. There are houses all across this city and all across our state. There's one man and one woman in that house. They are there when the, when the day starts. They're there when the day ends. He comes home every day. She comes home every day from work or whatever. They live in the same house. They sleep in the same bed. And their hearts are not together. They're not divorced uh, legally, but they are divorced emotionally. They are two Two people in the house, but they're separated. They just have not made it finalized with a legal divorce. And that's what God is saying. Just because you and I are here, if we are not careful, we will wander. You will wander in your heart, and so will I. And the reason I push this year after year for us to fast 
is because it is one of the ways for you to test to find out where your heart is. And if you have said in your heart, when I begin talking about fasting, when we begin talking about it, and you just said, I get so tired of that. There's no need for doing that. I don't want to do that. It's difficult. I don't like it. That is a, a situation that is showing you the condition of your heart. Here's a question in your outline. Is your heart the focus of your life? That's what I'm talking about. Is it less toward God than what it once was? Can you go back to the time when your walk with the Father was closer, warmer, more sincere, more real than it is today? And what I'm simply saying is it is the nature of human nature for us to wander. And all of us need those recalibrations in our lives. And that's what fasting is about. So if you've fallen off the fast wagon, this can be something to recalibrate that. 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 8. When King Jeroboam got off track, the Bible says this. God spoke to him. He said, you have not been like my servant David, who kept my commands and followed me with all his heart. We can find ourselves getting into situations in our home, in our relationship with others, at work, just finding our life on, on, in general, just going down. And maybe you begin to hear in your heart that you hear God speaking to you and what God is saying is you are not where you once were with me. And the reason the blessings are not coming in your life is because you are not walking with me. You are there in worship, but you know it's not what it used to be. I, you are physically present, but you're not spiritually present. Of King Ahijah, we read in 1 Kings 15 and 3, his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his forefather had been. What does that mean? It means he was divided. He was divided. Did he follow after the Lord? Some. But he was also much in the world. And so what you've got to think about this morning is, yes, I'm here. There are going to be people here the second service and the third service. But we can be physically present and not be here with all of our heart. Can you agree with that? That's the reality. And that's the danger. And that's what God was saying to these kings. That's why he put First and Second Kings in the word of God. The primary message of those books is the heart. It is the heart particularly of the kings. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his forefather had been. And what about his heart in those passages? They're certainly not talking about that organ, right? That's just, you know, pumping in, in your chest. When he says, your heart is not devoted to me, it means the command center of who we are, the command center of our character, our commitments, our values, the seat of the will. One theologian put it, he said, our heart for God means that God has our ear. In other words, we listen to him. We listen to him. Look at the truth in your outline. It is in your heart that you either choose for or against God. That's what God wants us to think about. There is a God who is desperately in love with you and me. He loves us and he is committed to us. 
He wants to bless our coming in and our going out. He wants to be with us. He wants to lead us. He wants to direct us. And God is saying, I need, I, I expect, I demand your heart be for me. That your heart is open. You're open to let me talk to you. You're open to let me lead you. You're open to me. And that's what I want you to think about. I'm here, but am I open to God? Which brings me to number two. And lastly, your heart for God? Yes? No? Where is it? Listen, I, I recognize fasting is not easy. I had my battles this week. I did. Um, but here's the insight. It's expected. It is expected that our flesh will fight fasting. That's a given. The question is whether your heart fights for it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I love him. I'm going to do it because it is what I should do. I'm going to do it because I want God to be first in my life. You know, one of the great kings of all the kings of Israel was Josiah. Um, the kings before him had lost their way, um, fell into sexual sin, got into all kinds of false religion. Look at the insight in your outline. King Josiah was the grandson of failed kings, yet he had a heart for God. That is such a promise to me. He was the grandson of one failed king after another. And he was the most godly king outside of David that sat on the throne of Israel. And yet those before him were men who had wandered away from the Lord. He restored the temple. He had the priest. He said, I want you to go in. I want you to cleanse the temple that has been turned upside down by my forebears. Worship was virtually destroyed. And the Bible says that as they were cleansing the temple, one of the priests found what would be today like our Bible. He found the Word of God. He found the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, call it the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses. It had been put away and ignored for decades. The people weren't hearing it. They weren't listening to the Word. And they brought it to Josiah. And Josiah had it read to him. He said, I want you to read the Word to me. And they read the five books of God's word to Josiah. And when they got through, the king was a mess. And the Bible says he tore his clothes, fell down on his face. So let's read our text. Maybe you thought I'd forgotten. I hadn't. I thought, well, at last, Lord, help me. That surely wasn't the introduction. No, it wasn't. Chapter 23. Then the king sent. And they gathered to him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. He brings everybody in. The king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him. And the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. He read, they stood and he read the first five books. And the king stood by the pillar. And made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies, his statutes with all his heart and all his soul, 
to carry out the words of this covenant that are written in this book. And all the people entered into the covenant. Now drop down to verse 25. Before him, before Josiah, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his might according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. And the message is Josiah got his life back on track with God and he did it by doing three things. And I want you to look at those. Number one, he rediscovered God's word. They rediscovered the word of God in the temple. Number two, he read it. And number three, he responded to it. All right, now listen, let's look at that for just a moment. The first thing Josiah did is the first thing that God says you and I need to do when we decide we're going to have this fast, like in January. So every January, what are we to do? We rediscover the Word of God. So let me ask you this. Where is the Bible in your life this morning? And I don't mean on the coffee table or in, you know, up on a shelf or something. I simply mean, where is it in your life? I want to ask you, does the Bible have anything to do with how you and I are living out our days? Does it have anything to do? See, fasting is about returning to God's word if you've wandered from it. It's not about getting all caught up in remorse that, oh, I've, I've, you know, I've wandered away or whatever. That is, a, that is an understanding. By God's grace, we'll get better and better that we don't wander like we did. That we'll see we're getting better at that. But every January, it is about us rediscovering the Word of God. It is about putting the Word back into our lives so that it plays a part in your day. Does that make sense? That's what it's about. That's why we do it. it. It is about recalibrating everything. It is about getting the Word where it needs to be. Why? Because every one of us, as Isaiah said, all of us have gone, what? Astray. So we're all in this together. Take heart. You know, it isn't just you. It's all of us. And that's what fasting is about. It is about, first of all, rediscovering the word. Then number two, it is about returning to the reading of the word. It is about thinking about where you are in, in juxtaposition to the word of God in your life. It is learning again. God wants to talk to me. God wants a conversation with me. And you know what you, you'll find God talking to you about in the Bible? In the Word of God, God talks to you about your work, what you do the majority of your life. He talks to us about marriage and about family and about relationships, about money. He talks to us about physical health. And so what I want to encourage you to do uh, we have had a run on Bibles in, in our library. And for those of you who maybe are new here, one of the things that we do each year at this time is um, we buy at a discounted rate these Bibles that are called Through the Bible in a Year Chronological Bible. In other words, they're these Bibles that take you through the Scripture as it occurred. In other words, you don't just read one book right after another. 
Uh, but it takes you through the Bible as it, and you'll be going from here to there and everything as you read through the Bible. It's a great way to study the Word of God. It's a fresh approach to the Word. It will awaken your heart. And so I want to encourage you, we are out. But if you'd like to have one of these, if this is your first time with us, you can go to our library following this morning and you can she'll put your name down on the list. We've got some Bibles. They'll be on, on the way if they're not already. And um, then you can get one at a reduced rate. And we ask you to buy those Bibles for you and those that are in your house. Um, they make great gifts, but this, that's not why we're doing it. So don't, if you will, just, this is for you to just get a Bible so that you can start uh, reading it. There's also a book that we've got on martyrs. And I want to encourage you, it's totally optional. But it is a great book that simply shows you, and you read one story after another each day about how men and women have given their lives for the cause of Christ. And it will stir you to be a real blessing to you. And so we return to the reading of the word. We rediscover the word. And then lastly, number three, we respond. We, how do we respond to the word? Look at the insight in your outline. The one response that God seeks regarding the Bible is that, number one, you do what it says. You live like it says. And you think like it tells you to think. And so as we get ready to close this morning, let me just ask you a question. Every one of us at some time or another need to do this. But do you today need to give your heart back to the Father? That that is where you are. You need to give him back. Hey, that your heart has strayed. I love what Mark Twain, I don't like a lot of stuff that he says, um, but one thing he said I like, he said, you know, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts of the Bible I do understand that bother me. And isn't that the truth? Um, they challenge our lives. And so the, the thing is, what do you need what do you need to start doing? Do you need today to just say, Father, I realize that I fought you. Your whole issue has been my heart. It's been my attitude toward you. And just sometimes like in my home, I don't have a right attitude toward my husband or toward my, my wife. Father, I've not had a right attitude toward you. And I didn't want to do the fast. I didn't want to put myself out for you. And I realized this morning, according to what I've heard from your word, that I have wandered from you. I don't have a love for you that I used to have. And what that means is, unless there is a course correction, the tendency is going to be that you're going to wander more and more and more. And so what you want is you want a course correction. So the thing is, what do you need to start doing? The best place to start would be to start the fast. And why do you fast? Because you want to stand like in front of a mirror. And you just say, body, you will not control me. This body is not us. It's the house we live in, right? But this body can control us. Our stomachs can control us. And the whole issue is, 
I will not be controlled by anything except by God. And there comes a time in our life where we need to recalibrate, and we do that by looking at ourselves and denying our flesh. And I'm saying no to my flesh. And what have we asked? We've asked that everyone, this, this is baseline, that all of us will fast one meal a day. That's minimal, but that's in the game. You're in the game, fasting one meal a day. And that means for that time, all you have is water. And water is all you have until the next meal time that you normally would have. Other people are doing more than that. That's fine. That's great. But this is baseline. This is entry level. We can do this. We can do it if we have a hunger for him. What attitude do about life do I need to change? Life is up and down for everyone. Billy Graham, when he was alive, had ups and downs. The disciples had ups and downs that walked with the Lord, you and me. And has a low period in your life gotten you off track? For you've wandered from him. So let's bow for just a moment, would you please? This morning, as you are leaving in our mall area, at the information desk, there are going to be some more of these um, fasting booklets that just help you in your journey, help you draw near to the Lord, focus your attention. And I want to encourage you to go by and pick one of those up if you didn't get one last Sunday. And this whole message this morning has been about encouraging you, encouraging you to stay the course, helping you to understand why we're doing it. Why we're doing this? It is all about my relationship with him. And it is all about me asking myself this question. What do I need to do despite how I feel? Despite what my emotions are. But I do it because it is the right thing to do. And it is actions that change my emotions. It's not emotions that change my actions. You act your way into a feeling. You don't feel your way into an action. So, Father, this morning, we want to thank you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for um, teaching us why we are doing what we're doing. That, Lord, we don't want to be like the kings of Israel. We want to be Josiahs. We want to be the ones who turn our heart toward you, who chase after you. Because we want you in our life. We want your blessing on our days. So, Father, thank you. And I pray for those men and women who are going to go by and they're going to pick up a booklet to start their fast. This is going to be, they're going to begin now. And that's a good thing. It's a step. It's a move in the right direction. So thank you for that. Thank you for our day. God, thank you for this incredible journey and what it's going to mean for us as a people and as a church when we are walking closely with our God. We thank you for this. In the sweet, precious name of Jesus, we pray.